0: How do you, everyone? We have an exciting bonus episode for you today. We talk with Dr. Vance Ginn, the founder and president of Ginn Economic Consulting, host to the Let People Prosper show, former chief economist at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and former associate director for economic policy at the Office of Management and Budget under the Trump administration. We get his thoughts on a ton of issues related to spending and property taxes here in the state of Texas and the opportunity that's in front of Texas lawmakers. In the upcoming legislative session to provide real property tax relief should they choose to take advantage of it. Let's get into it. Taxpayer Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, and it's only made possible from generous donations from listeners like you. If you want to support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you.
1: Hey, everyone. How are you doing? This is Tim Harden, president of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. I'm here with Jeremy, our executive director, and we are on our bonus episode with special guest Vance Ginn. How are you doing today, Vance? Hey, I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be with you all. Good to be here as well. How you doing, Jeremy?
0: Doing okay. Excited for this one.
1: Good, good. Well, hey, before we get started, Vance, uh, why don't you tell everybody kind of who you are, what
2: you do, and, and what projects you're
1: currently working on?
2: All right. Will do. Um, but yeah, it's a pleasure with you, Tim and Jeremy, and uh, all the great work that y'all are doing. Keep that going. All right. We need some more good fiscal responsibility. Um, and as you know, that's what I've been working on for I mean, a, dec- a decade now. Um, got a PhD at Texas Tech, guns up uh, in economics. And I'm from Houston. So I've been I mean from Texas and everything and kind of moved around for a while. Taught at Sam Houston State University for a while. Um, then worked at the Texas Public Policy Foundation for a number of years on sound budgeting and tax tax. tax reform and and that sort of thing um, as their economist. And then I went up to D.C. up in the swamp uh, in the Trump administration from June 2019 to May of 2020. That was about all the swamp that I could have. As the chief economist of the Office of Management and Budget, so I helped write the president's last budget that found 4.6 trillion dollars in savings. We still didn't we still didn't balance the budget until 15 years, but at least we were making um, an effort to do so. And then, of course, COVID and everything blew that up. I found myself in a situ- the Situation Room, you know, advising uh, Fauci and Burks and Cudlow and others on like what's going to happen to the economy if they shut things down. And of course, my point was like it's going to kill the economy. Uh, we shouldn't be shutting things down um but it was it was an amazing experience um to to have that time there as someone who came from pretty humble background, low income family, dad having epilepsy, parents divorced when I was five, um, that sort of situation to being a first generation college student to then find myself in the situation room. You know, you don't you don't always dream about that uh, or you only dream about that sort of thing. And um, then I came back to work at the Texas Public Policy Foundation as chief economist for a couple of years. Um, And just recently, as of September, started my own thing, uh, again, Economic Consulting. I'm president of again, Economic Consulting. I'm also working some with the Pell. Institute in Louisiana as their chief economist, I'm a senior fellow at Young Americans for Liberty and at Texas Policy Foundation and at Americans for Tax Reform. So I'm kind of all over the place, but my 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 bread and butter right is my mantra is let people prosper. That's what I'm all about, and the the one key way to do that is the ultimate burden of government is how much it spends. And so if we can restrain the growth of spending, we can keep taxes low, we can keep regulations low, and everything else. to therefore. Let people prosper, right? And have more liberty and do the things that they're going to do that's going to best meet their unique needs. And so um, I guess that's probably a good over, overview. Um, have three kids, live in Round Rock, Texas uh, with a beautiful wife. And so um, that's that's really what I got going on, man. Awesome, awesome. hey, we're excited to have a
1: conversation with you today, uh, Vance. And uh, of course, you know, you know, we've been talking about property taxes for for quite some time. Um, and we have uh, we have something very similar to TPPF's plan, which is using this state surplus. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's kind of. Uh, grown how much they're going to use it. I think the last thing we heard is Abbott said they're going to use about half of it. And so as we uh, get past uh, election day, we're recording on election day right now. So we we do not know results yet. But uh, the assumption is we're going to be dealing with property taxes in the next legislative session. And so we just kind of want to hear your thoughts. Like, what do you expect to happen? Are we going to get significant property tax reform? Uh, And and what can Texans and taxpayers expect uh, going into the legislative session?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the number one thing on people's mind beside inflation. And when you you know, inflation is really from the Federal Reserve printing too much money, chasing too few goods, and the amount of goods in the economy has been strangled um from being produced because of the overregulation by the Biden administration, Congress's overspending and taxation. It's just like one thing after another from all these headwinds that are coming at us. And so it's like, okay, what exactly could the Texas legislature and leadership in Texas do to reduce the cost of living? I really Think, guys, that we're having an affordability crisis even in Texas. Texas has been known as this place of having low cost of living and everything else, but it's rising rapidly. It's also rising rapidly across the nation, so relatively it still could be cheaper than, let's say, California. Uh, you know, people are coming here in droves from California or New York or Illinois, but we've still got to find a way to make sure that we keep this this bastion of hope, right, and this light that we have in Texas. All of us are, you know, here in Texas, we love Texas so much, and we want it to be this place where we can have more freedom and liberty and prosperity. But one of the big things that's holding us back are property taxes. You know, the Tax Foundation just came out with their recent report, the State Business Tax Climate Index, um, that ranks us 13th, you know. I'm a Texan. You guys are Texans. We don't want to be nothing but number one, right? We don't want to be number 13. And what that means is it puts us at a disadvantage when it comes to bringing businesses to Texas. And some would say, well, man, we have all these businesses that are coming here, but think about how much more we could be doing, how much fewer of these handouts from the Enterprise Fund and Chapter 313 and other stuff that's going on that we would have if we could just ultimately eliminate property taxes in order to give people the liberty to own their property instead of just renting from the government forever. I think that's going to be key. So this legislative session coming up in January, we've got a historic opportunity, I think, to take a big bite out of the largest portion of the property tax, which is local property tax, right? We have a constitutional amendment against a statewide property tax in Texas, thank the Lord, along with a constitutional amendment to never have a personal income tax again thank you Lord uh, so we need to make sure that those things are maintained um but but, but you know and, and it's it's crazy to me too guys that sometimes people say well look Texas, of course, has a high property tax because they don't have an income tax. They have to get taxes from somewhere. And I say, no, hold up. That, that's not quite right. Because really what you need to look at is what's happening in other states. So you have other states that don't have an income tax like Tennessee or Florida. And whenever you look at their residential, uh, ha- the homeowner's sort of uh, property tax burden, um, Texas we have the sixth most burdensome again according to another tax foundation report um, the Florida that has no personal income tax they rank 26th about middle of the pack Tennessee ranks 36th and look so they don't have a uh, they don't have any a personal income tax but their property taxes are also low and it's really because of restrained spending at the local level we spend way too much whether it be from independent school districts cities counties or special purpose districts and the state has tried to do They're, you know, some sort of effort by reining in how much they could raise their taxes. In 2019, we had some pretty historic, you know, reforms at that time. Um, There was about $5 billion that was put in to reduce the school maintenance and operation property tax. Um, There was another $6 billion in 2021. The problem is, is that all the other taxes kept going up and debt kept going up. And so even though I think that state has, they could argue anyway, that they are trying to reduce the school m maintenance and operation property tax, there are so many other taxes that keep going up because of excessive government spending. And so what I think they can do now is rein in spending. They put in a stronger state spending limit last session, uh, Senate Bill 1336. That's going to keep it to population growth and inflation, key measure that we've been working on for years. Um, but with the $27 billion the Texas comptroller has already said that we're going to have in state surplus, just in general revenue, guys, just in general revenue, $14 billion in the rainy day fund, and like $20 billion that's sitting on reserve in reserve at these school districts, there's tons of money. And if we can limit spending going into the future to a conservative Texas budget, which is it's a maximum of population inflation, but really I think, and I know you guys have been championing this too, we need to freeze the budget. Well, why should the budget be growing at all whenever – People are suffering on the sidelines of this huge increase in cost. And the government is not free. It all comes from us. So if we can do that, limit government spending, use as much, if not all, the surplus to cut the Squimano property tax, which brings in about $30 billion a year, right? We could put a huge dent in that, in that part of the property tax and really allow for Texans to have more liberty and prosperity, you know, overall. I, I think we're I think we're ready for it and let and voters are ready for it as well.
0: Vance, what do you think is the, you know, a lot of, I'm not gonna say pushback, that's not the right word, but a lot of hesitancy from groups we talk to, right? Even like Republican and or conservative, you know, groups, some of the hesitancy when we talk about eliminating the property tax, kind of the first the first thing that's brought to mind is, well, how will you fund schools, right? right. Um, and obviously you have to kind of explain that a buy-down is really just a transfer of liability between the state, right? and And local governments, what have you. What would you say, especially going in, to the next cycle where we're looking at some, we don't know what it's going to look like, but they're at least discussing what school choice, whether that's vouchers, ESAs, right? Like whatever it is, what does all that look like in your estimation if we're also simultaneously trying to eliminate or at least get us on a path to elimination of the property tax?
2: No, I think it's a great point, Jeremy. Um, You do hear this a lot. How are we going to pay for it? Um, What happens if we need to spend more if there's going to be school choice and and look, from my perspective, the big things that could allow for Texas to be the most uh, prosperous place to live is really going to be school choice empowering parents to allow for them the opportunity to go with, go wherever is going to meet their unique needs they shouldn't be locked into a school that's based on a certain district right and things of that nature they should allow, allow for that opportunity I think ESAs is a great way to go um until you know and so I think that's a good process but but schools also um in my view are already overfunded I mean they have tons of money that's going to to these schools and I call them government schools um, because a public school is one that you have a public good where there are positive externalities in economic terms positive benefits to people around you for those who are going to school and unfortunately we're seeing that too many government schools are failing their kids to where I think it's actually causing a negative effect to those that are around them and you you see what's going on these woke places and what they're reading in the library and everything else it's kind of like one thing after another so more people are interested more parents are interested in going somewhere else to a private school homeschool or something else of that nature and i think they should have that opportunity so one of the key back to spending i always go back to spending guys (laughs) Uh, which is the ultimate burden of government right if you don't spend it you can't tax it or you don't need to tax it and you you can't regulate it either Um, but the same thing is true with school right now these government schools are getting about $14,000 per student. When before COVID, it was about $12,000. A lot of this money from the CARES Act and everything else has just uh, ballooned how much money we're sending to these schools. And you know what? They're going to use that now. The establishment is going to use that as the new baseline and say, you know what? We've got to build off of that to go up in spending. And it's like, no, we, we need to get back to what we were what we were spending before. And even that might have been too much. Because the reason why, why do I say that? The reason why I say that is because educational outcomes have not improved. Not, not improved. And and, and not nearly at the rate in which, and they haven't really approved at all, but not nearly even the rate that the the spending has went up. And you should want some sort of correlation between those two, and we don't see it. We don't find that correlation. So why do you keep spending it and expecting the same result or a different result? That's the definition of insanity, right? And so we have this insane spending that's going on with education. And so if we allow for this opportunity for us to, um, you know, spend responsibly on education while Providing tax relief in that area, where you know ultimately the Constitution, Article Seven, uh, se- Section One of the Texas Constitution says the state legislature shall equitably and efficiently fund you know public free schools. So why is it that over time they shifted it from the state funding it to the local independent school districts? I would truly believe they shouldn't have that authority to determine those tax rates at the local level. This should be something that's funded ultimately through sales taxes. Uh, which is what i like to see us do one day, is just broaden the sales tax base and get rid of those school district maintenance and operation property taxes. Um, but until then, I think we're going to keep doing this buy-down method, which is essentially pushing us closer to using more sales taxes to fund education. Um and, and I think, Jeremy, that might go to your point even more, is that some will push back and say, you know, the sales tax is more regressive, meaning that it taxes lower-income people at a higher rates, a larger burden on them than upper income people. Um, But my retort to that is always property taxes are also regressive. It's a flat consumption rate. It's a wealth tax, right? Um, lower income people don't have as much wealth, uh, but so it's going to tax them more at that same rate. And lower income people oftentimes can't buy a house because of the property tax. And who gets pushed out of the house first? The lower income people do. So this is a tax that's hurting the lower income people the most. And I would argue it's the most regressive form of taxation that we have in the state. We've got to get over these ideas that we need it and and find ways to eliminate it as quickly as possible.
1: That is uh that, that is awesome I love uh you know the point that uh, it does affect lower income people uh far more you know uh, they are paying property taxes they 're just paying someone else 's property taxes and, and rent mm-hmm. right and with with local government with schools especially uh, I think from an economic perspective you know, competition is always a good thing. Competition always provides good outcomes. And so when we focus on the local level, uh, I think we all realize we have a very big problem with local debt. In Texas, we have some of the highest in the entire nation. Our burden is ridiculous. And you mentioned that, you know, one of the ways in which we can accomplish property tax reform and relief is by reining in local debt. And so the question I'd like you to answer is, what policies can we implement uh, that will kind of either tie the hands of local governments or um, or reform that local process to where we can start reining in local debt and help ourselves out in this situation?
2: Yeah, that's a good point, Tim. I mean, debt is ballooning. I mean, we're up there with the likes of New York, uh, where, where we don't want to be. State debt, look, it could be reduced, but it's not nearly as big of a problem across across the the state um I, I think there have been some good reforms in the past that says look whenever you want to issue a new debt it's going to say this is a tax increase like that's on the proposition that's on the ballot um but but something that i know my good friend and ours is james quintero uh he's been working in a textbook policy foundation he's been working a lot on this to say look we don't need to just say it's a tax increase we need to show what the what, what the burden would actually go up by this this will increase the for the average person in this area by x number of dollars and so if you actually saw not only that it's a tax increase which let's say it's two dollars, someone may not care. So they're like, oh, it's a tax increase. But what if it's $200? What if it's $1,000? Those That sort of magnitude would really help to influence that. And I think what we've seen just over the last couple of cycles is that fewer number of these huge debt propositions are actually failing. Because not only do they now say it's a tax increase, but they also have to separate them out. Right instead of just lumping them all together like they used to, and just say, "Okay, if you don't vote for this, then you must not you must hate kids, or if you vote for this, you know what i mean <laughs> now 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 you can i- actually isolate okay." I'm in favor of building a new school because I see how much we're growing around here and there's a need for it. But I don't want this auditorium. I I don't want this um, music hall or something else. And so you can start to isolate those. So so that's one thing. But I also think that we need, just like we have a spending limit at the state level, which is improved. I think there's some more things that could be done to improve it. Um, But it's a better one. Um, I think the local government should also have a spending limit. I mean, in 2019, there was Senate Bill two, which limited the growth rate of on existing property tax revenue. So all the new property, bring in all that revenue. Um, and it also exempted some of the special purpose districts if you're below a certain um, population size. So that kind of carved out some of them uh, to win votes again, right? You got you to gotta have the votes to pass it. <laughs> um, and and they, they did it at three, three and a half percent for cities and counties. And then um, House Bill 3, which is an education bill, limited it to 2.5% for school districts, right? Um, well, then there was these issues with uh, disasters, and what does that mean? So when COVID came through, um, they basically said, look, we don't have to do that. We can go back up to the old 8%, and many of them did. They closed that loophole that says, okay, it has to be a governor-declared emergency, which maybe they might end up having more of those because of that, par about entire, at all. Right, for there to be a natural disaster that you can go back up to the 8%. But at least they were trying to address that. But but I I say all that, that was a key reform, okay? But the problem is it only limits the revenue. We have a spending problem, not a revenue problem. And so we need a local spending limit that's very much similar to what they have at the state. I would argue that it should be the entire budget, no matter if it's coming from property taxes, sales taxes, fees, and fines and fees or whatever else they should have a max a, a total budget spending limit based on population growth plus inflation and and look it might even just be the same population and inflation that the state has that way it's consistent across the state so no matter where you live there is a consistent Uh, reasonable affordable cost of living uh, across the state because you could say well each local government could have their own but now you have all these different ones across the state so austin's is going to be a lot higher because it has more population growth than places out in west texas is that right i I don't think so Um, but i think that's those are two things uh, tim is a local spending limit and more information on the ballot so that way we could have some more transparency of how much the tax tax dollars are going up on on taxpayers across the state
0: vince we are obviously recording this on election day and starting next week right i believe but next week lawmakers will have the ability to pre-file legislation going into the next legislative session what is your read on lawmakers I, obviously we don't want specifics especially if you've had conversations but what is your read on kind of the political willingness of lawmakers going into this session to do something let's say like the Texas Public Pol- uh, Policy Foundation's buy-down plan our version anything right like obviously we had uh, we talk about it pretty frequently that you had Tom Oliverson file two versions of his bill in the specials Special legislative sessions, last go around um, that that did this, this sort of thing, the buy down um, in different ways. What What is your read going into the next session on the um, the possibility of it happening? Do you think that there's enough pressure now or that more pressure needs to be applied?
2: I think that something's good. They're hearing it from all the constituents. This is like, you know, again, one of the number one things on voters minds besides probably inflation and gas prices, right? Um, and and so, so political push and um, you, you're going to see that they're going to want to do something. Um, you're right, Representative Oliverson, Dr. Oliverson, I mean, he's had this bill, it was House Bill 90, which would use, um, it would take the general revenue surplus, which is currently $27 billion. It would use 90% of that to reduce Uh, lower the school M&O property taxes, right? So it'd be a way to really buy down property taxes over time. Um, And the research that I've done on this is if you did that same approach, um, it would take about a decade given how much Revenue has been coming in recently, and given the limitations on population plus inflation over time, it would take about a decade to eliminate nearly half the property tax, which is what the school m property tax is. It's about 43% of total property tax burden across the state, okay, that we could do within a decade. So, so that's doable, right? Um, and the more that we could put up of that, then the faster that it could happen. And I know that, you know, um, Senator Betancourt, Chairman Betancourt is a key person in all of this discussion, and he's already talked about using um, half of it as well he had a bill during the special session to use half of it uh, half of the surplus to buy down um governor abbott has said half of the surplus um pat you know lieutenant governor patrick has said to use some of the surplus uh, i don't think it was quite half because i think it was like four billion is the last i heard um but 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 there is still a push from leadership to do to use a large portion of the surplus now there's going to be other monies that they're going to want to use it on right uh, probably border security, school safety, um, education, uh, Medicaid will probably need a, more, a larger amount. Uh, just on the Medicaid real quick, is you know, during the CARES Act, they made it to where if there was a public health emergency declared by the Secretary of the Health and Human Services up in D.C., not even in Texas, but in D.C., that Medicaid, you can't income out or age out. The eligibility criteria changed. So we have about a million more people on Medicaid than ordinarily would be on Medicaid just because of that national emergency, and the Biden administration has no intention of removing that. So that's going to be additional cost of probably four to six billion dollars on on taxpayers between general revenue and federal funds. So that's going to use up some of that money. Um, but with all that said, there should be, I would think, close to let's say let's say you just say it's six billion. That's still leave twenty, billion, and that's just for. 2022-23 2020, biennium not to say anything about the twenty four or twenty five that the revenue' going to continue to grow and, and and look guys I mean just you know be frank about it i I think that nationally we 're in a recession we've had two consecutive quarters of declining real economic output. the third quarter was up two point six percent but it was only up because net exports right were up two point seven percent had net exports been flat we would have actually had negative declining domestic real economic output. And inflation only increased by 4.2%. I say only, but it increased by 4.2%. But the last three quarters had increased by more than 7%. So if it had stayed on that same trajectory, real, meaning inflation adjusted economic output would have also declined for the third consecutive quarter. So I know Biden and them want to talk about, oh, we're out of this recession. If there ever was a recession, they don't want to define it as a recession. Um, But that's going to hit eventually Texas as well. We're going to see some slowdown in Texas. Uh, So you want to account for that. And I think that's where the rainy day fund comes in $14 billion. So let's say we do have a reduction in some of this general revenue, you go into there. And, and you, you continue to maintain the property tax relief that you have and continue to push it over time. And then if that's not enough, which I think it will be, um, but there's also $20 billion sitting on reserve by independent school districts. Why are they sitting up with all this reserve? Some of it's for cash flow. What I've heard is about maybe 60% of that is for cash flow. But why the other 40%? We could have lower property taxes if they put that into the mix instead of pushing higher property taxes all across the state.
0: Vance, do you think the you had mentioned? Obviously, you, you had mentioned everyone but the House, which I find yeah. uh, interesting. When we were talking about leadership, talking about property tax stuff, you know, I we were having a conversation yesterday with someone, and it kind of dawned on me that we haven't really, at least to my knowledge, seen House Republican leadership if, uh, say anything at all about using the surplus uh, to 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 do what we're talking about here. Right? In fact, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the last. Thing I saw was you had the House Ways and Means Chairman Morgan Meyer at I think it was two public hearings ago talk about using remaining ARPA funds right mm-hmm. uh, to do that not necessarily surplus funds is that is that correct am I am I wrong in that I I, I have not seen that have you seen anything like that well,
2: from what I understand there there is a discussion maybe to use some of that ARPA funds because last session they left three billion dollars out of the sixteen billion dollars uh, that were coming from from ARPA, American Rescue Plan Act, uh, funding to tech, just to Texas alone, um, and so to try to use that three billion. But but for what I understand is there are there's leadership like Chairman Meyer who want to use part of that um, surplus as well. Um, I, I would like to see them be more vocal about it. To your point, um, I, I know that Representative Oliverson is very interested in continuing to run with that bill. There are others within the House that really want to cut the squamino property taxes into elimination. Um, and there and at least there was a a hearing about what to do i mean they didn't have to have a hearing um, on, on that on 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 reducing and, and, and cutting and hopefully eliminating the school and property tax so i think that shows some indication of where speaker feeling is of of wanting to cut the property tax uh, but maybe they're holding on to their cards a little bit more than some of the others uh and getting ready for the election and then what happens in in january because then there will be a vote for potentially a, another speaker there will be a speaker vote maybe you put it that way um and and sometimes maybe they are they're a little bit hesitant to put too much too many cards on the table until that happens you know politics guys that that stuff gets in the way too often
1: (laughs) well uh man vance there's so much more we want to talk to you about uh we unfortunately are out of time now um but before we go uh would like you to kind of remind people where can they go uh do you have a blog do you have a podcast what website can they go to uh to kind of listen to you and your thoughts
2: yeah, well, I would like to say thank you, um, Tim and Jeremy, for having me on the program and for all the great work that y'all are doing. Uh, I know we didn't get to a lot, but even Chapter Three Thirteen, I hope stays away. We don't, we don't need that. Look, if we eliminate property taxes like we want to do, you have no need for Chapter Three Thirteen uh, for the school and no property tax because that's lowering the burden for everyone. I think that's really the biggest economic development sort of proposal that that's out there is to eliminate the school middle property tax. You don't need all this other nonsense. Um, but you can find out more about me at vancegan.com. I have a blog that I post information there, um, a lot of other information that's there. Um, but also you can find my podcast, Let People Prosper Show. Um, it's on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can listen to podcasts, um, and even YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube as well. Um, but but yeah, those are some some key places, and I'm going to keep following what's going on here in the state um, and keep pushing for good reforms so that ultimately ultimately we can let people prosper.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much, Vance. It was a pleasure talking with you. uh, And we hope to talk to you again here pretty soon. Sounds good. Thank you.
0: For even more content, follow us on social media at Texas Taxpayers on Facebook and Instagram at Texas underscore taxpayers on Twitter. Subscribe to the Fiscal Note, our weekly email jam-packed full of information important to Texas Taxpayers at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. And then make sure to check out our Texas Prosperity Plan, texastaxpayers.com slash TPP. Thanks.